Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 22, Antifouling and Sponges. What happens when you put something in the ocean and leave it there for a season, a year, many years? Any boat owner or waterfront worker can tell you, whatever you leave in the water, be it a dock piling, a float, a lobster trap, or even the bottom of a boat, will be covered with algae and sea creatures in short order without special precautions and ruthless maintenance. This growth is called biofouling, and it doesn't just create drag and slow down your boat. The increased fuel costs from said drag, prevention and mitigation strategies result in costs of billions of dollars a year. The reason for biofouling is simple. Many marine organisms are sessile for all or part of their lives, meaning they stay in one place, stuck to the substrate, be it the bottom of the ocean, floating debris, or even in some cases, other organisms. Think barnacles growing on whales, sea turtles, lobsters, and mussels. Space is at a premium in the marine environment. There are far more organisms looking for a spot to grow than there are spots to accommodate them. Many sessile organisms release their sperm and eggs into the water column in a process called broadcast spawning. The fertilized eggs float with the currents, developing into tiny juvenile organisms that settle out of suspension, with the hope of settling somewhere they can grow. Biofouling pressure is high and relentless. But let's turn the tables for a bit, away from humans and the economic problems of biofouling, to the organisms themselves and the very real biological problem of biofouling. You see, it isn't just our boats and docks that have this issue. Every sessile organism in the ocean is a potential landing spot for the next generation of sessile organisms. Mussels, barnacles, seaweeds, and all manner of encrusting organisms face the same biofouling pressure as our boats and docks. They provide an available surface for other organisms to grow upon. Unlike the human solutions to biofouling, which include coarse, mechanical, and labor-intensive physical removal, and indiscriminately toxic compounds, marine organisms have evolved a myriad of sophisticated and highly targeted ways to protect themselves from being biofouled by their fellow sea creatures. I told you last episode we were going to talk more about sponges, and it turns out that since sponges are among the oldest lineages of marine animals, at least 600 million years old, give or take, they have had a seriously long time to protect their anti-biofouling strategies. To understand the strategies, we have to understand the steps of biofouling. It might be tempting to think that a baby barnacle just drops out of the water column onto a sponge or mussel and sets up shop, but as with most things, it turns out to be much more complicated than that. There's a well-documented ecological succession to biofouling. First, the surface is covered not with living cells, but with organic molecules from the water column, attracted to the substrate by intermolecular forces. These molecules act as bedding compound for bacteria and microalgae, which form a biofilm, a mat of cells and extracellular polymeric substances, in a process called crosstalk. I love the image of these cells talking to one another by secreting various chemicals. Once the biofilm is established, small and then large fouling organisms can establish and grow. Sponges have strategies for every step of this process, from secreting mucus and colonizing their own bacterial community to prevent the formation of the biofilm, to generating a non-stick biosilica compound that prevents the formation of the biofilm and adhesion of larger organisms, to secreting chemicals that prevent the crosstalk between the biofilm-forming bacteria hence preventing the film from forming, 
and chemicals that kill the bacteria and other fouling organisms outright. These chemicals are purpose created by the sponges to ensure they do not get overgrown. And while we've identified what many of them are, they're difficult to synthesize in the lab. Humans would like to be able to produce the compounds that have enabled sponges to live successfully and unfouled for hundreds of millions of years, as we hope they would enable us to more effectively prevent biofouling of our own marine structures. Because the impacts of biofouling represent large sums of money, this research on the oldest member of the branch of the tree of life we occupy is likely to continue for quite a while. This has been episode 22 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Siddhartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening and join us next week.